Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. I'm Baha Etmanen, the founder and editor of Ageless by Rescue. Ageless by Rescue gives you unprecedented access to international and Australian experts and visionaries. Hi, it's Miranda Kerr here on Ageless by Rescue podcast. Hi, this is Martha Kay and you are on Ageless by Rescue podcast. I'm Trini Woodall. I mean, I feel I'm being interviewed by the sexiest woman in the world. Shayna Blaze is a widely regarded, award-winning interior designer, TV personality, author, creative director, and gender equality advocate. But she's best known for her roles on the Australian home and interior design shows such as The Block, Selling Houses Australia, and most recently, the winner of the TV show, The Celebrity Apprentice. She's the author of two successful interior design books, Design Your Home, and design with colours and style. She has a great eye for design, which has allowed her to achieve regular columns on design, style and interiors for publications such as Stella Magazine, The Herald Sun and Grand Designs Magazine. But there is so much more to Shana Blaze than you may know. I've had the pleasure and the honour of getting to know her over the years through my friend, Darren Palmer. And I can tell you that she's one of the most inspirational women I have ever met in my life. She glows from the inside out. Her heart, her soul, and her beauty are unparalleled. And sometimes when I watch her on TV, I want to scream at the television and say, but you don't know the real Shana. In this episode, I've asked Shana to share some of her secrets because I think it's so important that someone that we think we know, we can speak to them and find out a little more about how they go about creating their personal image and what works and what doesn't work for them. In this episode of Ageless by Rescue, I am delighted to present one of the most authentic, intelligent, and truly gorgeous women on Australia in Australian media, Shana Blaze. How lucky am I that I get to have Shana Blaze on Ageless by Rescue podcast? Welcome. Oh, thank you, Bahar. It's so exciting to, to do this with you. It's a pity we can't be in the same space, but um, this will have to be the best we can do. This is a story of reinvention. We met, I want to say, four years ago now through our mutual friend, Darren Palmer. We met in his living room and you were dressed as a pot plant. (laughs) (laughs) You remember what? Very creative pot plant. (laughs) You were a macrame pot plant because it was a fancy dress for Darren's 40th. And I remember when you walked in, uh, I just want to share like my first impressions of you. I remember (laughs) when you walked in thinking, she is so gorgeous and so damn sexy. She's wearing the macrame potholder like a fishnet dress. And you had this like amazing energy. And I'm going to say this other thing. It was a different energy to what your media personality was to me. And yeah. I thought you were sensible, Shana. And then I met sexy Shana. <laughs> I'm a bit of all of that. I'm a bit of all of it. And I think there's, you know, there's certain parts of your character that gets honed in on in the media and then that gets exploded. So it's like here you are as a whole, they pinpoint and put a little, you know, frame around that part of it, then they explode it from there. And you've got no control over that. You just have to control who you are when you can be. You've Look, you've been in the media for a long time. You're, you're the host of so many shows. You, you have multiple business uh, entities. To me, um, the thing that, you know, um, The Apprentice, Celebrity Apprentice brought out was the final transformation in your reinvention. And I'm going to say that I, as, you know, I'd like to think we're friends, but as someone who's kind of watched your journey closely and we've had so many, you know, private conversations as well, um, 
you have really reinvented yourself. And, and you said to me, it wasn't your first time. Talk to me about what reinvention means to you. I think, yeah, reinvention has happened to me on quite a few platforms of live, you know, and I'm calling them platform, platforms of my life, not platforms of business and platforms of other things, is that, you know, we always talk about, you know, our story and our chapter and, you know, chapter closed and another one starts and when another door opens and another door closes and, and all those sorts of analogies. And, and I take it from a platform is that you're teetering on a platform and to reinvent yourself, you either go with the wobble or you curl your toes on the end and, and hang on for dear life or you take a leap of faith. And I feel like for reinvention for me, it's all those that when you're on that platform, when you have to reinvent yourself, there's been something cathartic that happened, whether it's a breakup, a death of a family member, um, whether it's, you know, my kids leaving home, like that was really hard. There's all those things that makes you wobbly. And it's almost like, you know, one of those boards that has a ball underneath and you feel unsteady. And, you know, you can either fall and, and you know, hang in there or you, you grip on to what you know of and then you build from there and, and take a leap of faith of something brand new. And whether that's something brand new is a different version of what you already have or, or wipe the slate clean and start again. And I have to say my reinvention of who I am is my soul. It's not my reinvention of a brand. It's not the reinvention of a character that people see. It's not a reinvention of a job that I do. It's the reinvention of the deep, dark, inside crevices of me, of who I am, and rediscovery of yourself. You, if you don't mind me saying, you look younger. Uh, and in the past year, and definitely on Celebrity Apprentice, the thing that, like, were, and, and even coming to when you were filming the fundraising event, when you got on stage and you sang, and I was lucky enough to be sitting there to watch you, um, you were ageless. Like you, you could have been a 22-year-old, you know, siren singer. You could have been, I don't know, you, you were just like you, you really have transcended something and it's visible and it's palpable. And to me it's inspirational because I think um, – we are still in a culture that fetishizes youth and certainly the media does. Mm. So um, something shifted in you. And I, and I, I guess I want to, I want to pinpoint what your secret sauce is. So, you know, if we can drink from the same elixir of youth, I'd like to have some of that, but what happened? Because there were, there was some, and let me tell you what I noticed. And I guess what there's been conversation about uh, your physicality changed, you, your silhouette changed. It, it felt younger, lighter how you dress changed, how you, your energetic uh, kind of uh, emittance was lighter, more fun, more playful. Were they things that you worked on or what happened? They were actually things that I lost. Wow. So that's, that's more what it is. Um, you know, I was working 24 seven. I was doing so many different things and I actually, I actually went through menopause and didn't know, which my mum had said to me like years ago and my auntie was there and she just said, that's bullshit, you don't know. So I actually never had a hot flush. I never had um, any of those real signs other than, you know, your monthly caller that was so all over the place because of my travel and my life and everything like that. So it just sort of happened very slowly that I didn't realise. And I got adrenal fatigue. And oh, yeah. so I, I worked too hard and I didn't have the support that I should have had, had to in the physical, the mental and the financial world. I didn't have that support. So I took on the world and it showed. I look back at photos of that time and I'm just going, wow, I was, I was puffy and I had the world on my shoulders and I just felt like there was no way out and there was no way to sort of get this happening so yeah I was physically annihilated like I had no um 
energy within me. The doctors said, I don't know how you got here. And I just went off the car. And they go, no, no, no. I don't know how you got out of bed. So I had just been clawing my way through for so long. My hormones were completely out of whack. Everything inside of me mentally, physically was out of whack. And, you know, then, you know, I went through an incredible um, traumatic breakup that was very public. And it was one of those times Hashtag where... Hashtag me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was like, wow, I here I am being battling and battling and battling. And then I go through this. It was, it was incredibly hard. And it took a long time to work out what reinvention was. I just had to dig deep and try and be better physically. And what that came down to is that I went back to what used to make me happy what what made me happy what physically used to work for me and through all my travel and through all the stress and the long hours I'd given up yoga um I'd been doing yoga since I was 20 maybe younger I did yoga all through my pregnancies and it was something that I had stopped doing I was doing other different exercise that I really didn't like but I was doing it um that was more sort of you know circuit training and all that sort of thing it it didn't work for my body and you know doesn't work for everybody and it was a case of once I went completely flatlined I had no other choice than to rise and so I went back to what it was that made me happy and that was yoga that was my diet um it was my singing um so I'd give it tell me about the singing tell me about the singing because I yeah. have read so much research and um, spoken to a lot of experts that if you go back to things that you did at, in your youth, it can actually re-trigger those hormones. And music, of course, music and scent are two incredibly triggering, uh, memory triggering, but also cell triggering um, and thing devices that you can use. So tell me about what um, singing and maybe yoga uh, did in kind of rediscovering what your body and your voice and your mood used to do when you were younger or happier? It, it's interesting because um, I gave up singing twice, you know, for someone else. I had to give up singing to make money. And the singing at the time wasn't, a, a, you know, it was a great career, but it wasn't making a lot of money. So to actually sort of support what was happening in my life, I had to give it up and then go back to work. And not to say the singing wasn't work. I was working a lot. <laughs> um, but the, the energy release, the joy that you have when you sing, the communication through sound and the communication through the words, the lyrics, and it's performing. And, you know, I, I love obviously performing in all different forms, whether it's in a talk, whether it's on TV, whether it's on a stage. Um, I feel like it's such a big, big expression of who I am. And going back to doing a bit of singing, I've been writing with Gary Pinto, who is just incredible, and wrote that song for the movie that you heard. Um, it made me realise what I intentionally gave up for something else. And I think going back to that, it just reignites parts of you that you let go and parts of me that I let go in the yoga because it didn't fit with what was going on. I gave up the singing because it didn't fit what else was going on. So it really really comes down to rediscovering what made me happy and why I did those things in the past. And I brought them back into now. And they're things that um, I let go, but I shouldn't have let go. And I wanted to interrupt you there because it, when you said that, it made me think of something that I've um, learned about myself and I've heard in other women that I've interviewed. You, you know the um, Disney show, uh, movie, The Little Mermaid? She gave up her voice to get her legs, to meet her prince. And I don't think we, we, and then when she walked, it was like daggers and walking on broken glass. So she lost her voice, was willing to walk on daggers and broken glass to get some dipshit prince that she may or may not have stayed with for the rest of her life. And I think we were a generation of women who, 
who heard these stories and whether or not we internalized them or whatever. But strangely, a lot of us manifested exactly that thing. And you're now saying, you stopped singing the thing that was most natural. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, look, what I went into, going into back into design and then eventually into TV, really was beneficial. It did, it's fantastic and I love it and everything about it, I really, really love it. So I... I don't think it was a big mistake, but I should have kept it as a hobby. Yes, and of course, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's either or, but it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I want to say to you is, and I said this earlier, is when you were on stage, when you sang, you were a sexy woman. And I had not, I'd seen that once in your pop plant outfit and I'd saw it again on stage. And I think that sexuality and sensuality and that feminine part of us is an ageless spirit. And I think you have to tap into it. So do you feel more sexy, more feminine when you're on stage singing than when you're on a sound stage recording? Because that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I feel, I feel when I'm singing, um, I'm a different me and it's definitely music is sexy. Music is beyond sexy. It is, it's embodies and it's powerful and there's so many elements to it. Um, I, I think that there's so many parts of my life that I always feel sexy. I, I, I don't have to have somebody to tell me that, but I think a lot of my sexiness was squashed for media. Because well, I was going to say, like every time we see, you know, the tabloids and stuff, it's like you doing the groceries and stuff. And I feel like calling up the Daily Mail and saying, hey, you you missed her sexy moment. You really you really <laughs> need to see her sing a song. I'm a woman and I was ready to jump on stage. I think, I think um, the, yeah, there's a certain look that media wants me to be and they've taken out the sexy part. And whether that's because of my role of what of what I do in design and helping people, it makes me very relatable. Um, you know, I don't know what it is that a woman can't be sexy and own their sexiness, but still have empathy and kindness, and you know, want to help people. So that one I find strange. I sort of feel like um, Celebrity Apprentice brought that out, showed people like the clothes that I was wearing, like. I felt like I was me. And I think that's maybe where I glowed a bit more because I just went, I love these clothes and I love this. And it's not because they were designed. They, most of them weren't designer. They were just amazing Australian designers that we would wear clothes going to a wedding or going to, you know, a night out. But the clothes that they chose for me, they brought out my sexiness. And I haven't been on a role in the media where they've done that before. And um, it, it felt great. It felt really good. And, you know, there were a couple of people going, what work has she done? What, what's that? What's yes, like, that's what, what I was going to say. Did anyone's had work, but it was quite flattering going, oh, yeah, well, no, this is actually just me. <laughs> but, I mean, you know what? Cortisol is the worst ager and stress and, you know, adrenal fatigue is going to trigger that. So you you introduce you reintroduced the singing, you reintroduced the yoga. Tell me about you said that you were puffy and yeah. that your um, schedule was crazy. What did you do in terms of sleep and your schedule and um, and food? I had a real big force stop because we um, were selling houses. We had stopped for a while. Um, I, I, was, I went on a full anti-inflammatory diet to try and I had high-grade inflammation, which I still do, which causes a lot of allergies. So, you know, I can't have dairy and I, I can't have tomatoes and um, there's a lot of sort of skin things come with it, stomach upsets, gut inflammation. Um, and it's long-term. Like it's, it's taking a long time. Like I was working on that for like five years ago because things were starting to happen. But when I had a crash, that was about four years ago or three and a half years ago. Um, so I went back to nothing. Like my my diet, everyone was going, oh, I don't know how you can survive. But for me, it was everything that I had to do. So I had to, um, I had to go back to basics. Don't eat meat, but I had to have chicken bone broth. And it's quite tasteless, actually. So that was fine. 
um is that for the of, collagen was that yeah yeah, yeah. well the gut health you know the yeah. old um you know grandma chicken soup when you're feeling sick actually works if it's made from chicken bones yes um turmeric and curcumin which is very important for anti-inflammatory excuse me so which i was doing my juicing with my raw ginger my turmeric my pepper and lemon juice so i was doing those shots and then doing a green smoothie and then just having salads and fish and it's not something that you can do for a couple of weeks like it's years it's years so if you if you have those issues it's a long-term process and my exhaustion was so high that I was sleeping all the time and I hadn't slept, I reckon, a full night since I was 20. So <laughs> I was having four sleep because I, I was so exhausted. And then, you know, I, I've got to say the full change then came when COVID stopped, when COVID hit you know, early last year in um, 2020, where we had to stop. And it was the first time I'd stopped in probably 15 years. And my body decided that travelling day-to-day -day was not a good thing for me. My body just went, you know what? This is what we need to do. So the out of COVID, um, it wasn't just a small reset. It was a reset physically, mentally, and career-wise. Like I've got to say the last 18 months, there's not one thing that hasn't changed in my life. Wow. And you, you, I mean, Everyone you talk to in the biohacking industry, they talk about, you know, you have to reset the circadian rhythm, you have to reset your sleep, you have to reset your diet, you have to reduce inflammation. And um, it's interesting because it's wonderful to see that you can do it and the results are there because you're, I like speaking to you because you're a very visible media person. So for, you know, women who are in their 50s and think, oh, you know, the, my best years are behind me. No. What would you say to that? No, I'd say the opposite. I, I, look, it's a mindset. I've always, it was, it was funny. I'm going to be very real about this. I've said it like in a, uh, um, I think in one of my books about resetting yourself in that when I was 39, it was very real. My career had hit, hit a real dark place in the fact I wasn't doing what I loved. I'd given up my singing. I was working in interiors, but I was in a shop and the people were amazing. The shop was amazing. It wasn't me. I wasn't that person. And all of a sudden I was dressing differently and I was acting differently. So at 39, I literally thought my life was over. I thought my life was over. And I, I think I went through about six months where I, I was just fearful of like, I, I haven't come what I, I came to do. I, I haven't come what I came to do. And that was once I hit 40, my life was over. And I'm not joking, I was laying in bed, I had my birthday, it was the next day, and I got up and I went, God, I'm a dickhead. Not one thing has changed. Like there was no smack on their head, there was no this, it's me stopping me making something happen. So it was when I turned 40, I decided my best years are now on their way. And I went back mentally, that when did I feel my best? When did I feel my best? And that was at 35. 35, I felt amazing. I was that was singing. peak, Shana. That was peak. I was singing. I felt the sexiest I've ever felt. Everything about my life, you know, wasn't great financially, but gee, it was, boy it was joyous. It was incredible. It was amazing. So mentally I went, so I'm 35. And so to this day, people say to me, how old are you? And I go, I don't say the number out loud, not because I don't want to, but if I tell myself I'm that number, I become that number. So I always say, you know, if someone says, how old are you? I feel 35 and I leave it at that, you know, and, and I do, I do. You know, my, I have friends saying, oh, I can't do that because I'm old. And I say, you tell yourself you're old, you're going to be old. You can't tell yourself that. My body is in a great shape. I feel so aligned at the moment. I, I do yoga and Pilates, reformer Pilates, can I tell you, changes the shape of your body more than anything. Anybody out there wants to realign their body, reformer Pilates, get out there because it's medical, it's slow, it's concentrated, it's kind to your body. It, it's all those things. Um, 
so yeah, that, that's how I feel it's all slowly come together is that realisation, um, again, of going back, what time in my life was I the happiest? Why was I the happiest? And how did I feel? And I've got to say, I don't feel much different with all the things that have gone on physically, mentally, personally, financially, I still feel freaking awesome. Were you always beautiful? No, I don't even know. No, what is beauty? What is beauty? No, no, but did you, were you a beauty? Were you a, a pretty teenager? Were you a pretty child? Were you a, you know, a, a, a woman that felt that beauty was one of your calling cards? Um, no, no, I don't think so. I was in the, it was funny because um, as a teenager, it was in the 70s and it was all about you're either a surfy or a skinhead. Wow. And so I didn't live near the beach. And I didn't want to be a skinhead, so it was all about surfing. So I had long blonde hair. I had, um, you know, it was always pale blue wind cheaters. It was always sort of that sort of feeling of going to the beach. So I sort of feel like I was one of those blonde girls. I wasn't sort of a, a general beauty. I wasn't a beautiful beauty. I was just one of those blonde girls in school. And so I felt that was quite generic. And I remember... Um, it's funny that you say that was quite generic because... You know, in most kind of idealised versions, being one of the blonde girls is actually peak beauty. So it's interesting that for one of those blonde girls, you felt generic. And I think it's such a nice thing to call out because everyone always uh, underestimates who they are and their own natural beauty and their own natural kind of the moment where they were the most gorgeous or whatever. They don't, they're not aware that, you know, while you, you were, you thought you were, a, a, you know, yet another Australian teenager kind of surfy girl, you, you were pretty, you were an ageless beauty. Well, that's, and that's funny because I've never looked at it like that. Um, and it's, it's funny. It comes down to that age where, um, when I was in year 12 trying to work out, you know, when I was back then, you only worked out what, what your career was going to be three months before end of year 12. So there's not the pressure of the poor kids now having to plan from like year seven who they're going to be. Um, and really the only things we're on offering were um, a secretary. Like I'm not joking. That was like pushing us to secretarial studies and um, I wanted to do arts and then, there was another sort of career thing into interior design, which I didn't even know what it was. And so I remember being in the principal's office and I've never, ever said this ever. I've never told anybody, but I remember sitting in the principal's office and, you know, I'd had a really tough couple of years at school with some bullying from some girls. And um, it was, you know, I had been outcast. And to tell you the truth, the people that took me in in, in high school were... Um, the Italian and the Greek community. So I had really good friends and they, they sort of, you know, said, come with us. You're, we're the outcasts, come with us. So that was, that really, really showed me a lot. But I'm sitting in the principal's office and he said to me, you know what, don't worry about the skills. Don't worry about the career. You know, just why don't you try modelling? You've got a pretty face. And I sat there and I went, for one, I didn't think that to tell you, I, I just didn't. But I sat there thinking, uh, am I nothing? Like, am I nothing? Do I not have a brain? And so I think a little bit of fire in my belly went, F you. I didn't say it because I was very meek, but it was a case of like, no, I'm going to have a career. And I think that's why I really fought um, when I went to design school and then I, you know, sort of went to, to singing and I kept fighting because I didn't want to be in that box where someone said, you don't need to work, you, that your brain is not important. And it's just like, nah, F you, nah. And that seems to be like the lightning rod for you, right? That mm. someone um, doesn't see you or betrays you or sidelines you for like, you're going to, you're meek, you're going to just take it lying yeah. down. And that yeah. seems to really get the Shana FU going. <laughs> <laughs> you're so right. It's almost like um, I, I am, I am 
the underdog for other people. Like there's so many people that I've built up and built up and then they've sideswiped me and they've actually blindsided me. And I think, wow, I've just done so much to build you as a person. And now you have a go at me for all the things that you were attracted to me about, which I find incredible. So but there's do- nothing like a revenge body and a revenge face. <laughs> And, a, a, you know, a revenge career to, to you know, settle the score on those things. Um, celebrity I, Apprentice, I, I mean, that. It's not even a revenge because it, you, that, that person and situation, um, you don't need revenge on that. That's their chosen path. It's got nothing to do with me. Mine is owning my position and owning my direction and owning my, my force. And going back to, you know, perception and women yeah. in media and, you know, um, the, that whole idea that we talked about before that the best is yet to come, what have you learnt are your best assets and what's getting better and what, what do you kind of focus on um, in terms of, you know, your ageless beauty routine? And I'm going to get you to do the full detail of your skincare routine. <laughs> But tell me first about what are your best assets? Um, You know, what do you like to play out? What do you think is my waist? My best asset physically is my waist. How the boobs? boobs. (laughs) Yeah, they're there. there. But see, I I sort of feel like it was never an asset because um, people would judge me because of my boobs in the fact of like, you know, Anyway, we all sort of know, you know, people just think because you've got blonde hair and boobs that you're a bit vacant or that's all you're, you know, known for. But it's my waist. And I feel like because I've got a very, very curvy body and I'm short, uh, anything that defines my waist gives me sass and that puts the fire in my belly. Whereas, you know, my boobs are a, a case of like, well, that's a, you know, a generic sexual thing. In the fact of like, yeah, I've got them, whatever. And but to me, it's my waist. You know, if I get an outfit that cinches in my waist, and I, I walk differently, I stand differently, and I feel my sexiness. And so I've always got a belt. I've always got something tight because it makes me feel good. It makes me sassy, and it's not someone else's perception of me. It's how it makes me feel. Um, do you? Uh, uh, I don't. I hope you don't mind me asking. Do you have Botox? Do you have? Um, you know, any um, laser treatments, you know, there's a lot of awesome anti-aging stuff that yeah, you Yeah, that's really good. It's, it's funny, our friend uh, um, Darren keeps trying to get me into it, lots of different things. I'm a big chicken. So, no, I've never had Botox, but I was looking at what I was looking like on Celebrity Apprentice going, oh, God, I think I need to do something. Um, but I ended up being really bad lighting. We'll put it down to that. Um, definitely have laser treatments. I've, I've had a few different... I don't even know the names of them. I'll have to find out. One was Pico. One was, there was a horrible one years and years ago that um, it was a laser treatment and it, your face just blew up for three days. It was awful. Um, but the end result, you've got to go through that. The thing with laser is the hard, harder core you go, the better result at the other end, but it is a hardcore journey. Yeah. I, I know it feels terrifying. I, I, I've had it too, where you just are yeah. in hiding for a week. Yeah. Well, there's 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 a lot of incredible um, laser treatments now and, you know, surface um, treatments on your skin that builds your collagen from the inside. So I sort of feel like we're the best of beauty treatment. Are you having life. those? Are you having I, I'm having, definitely having all the, the laser stuff and, and all the treatments that are building the collagen. I haven't had any injectables or Botox. Um, I'm sort of leaving that as long as I can. It, it's the sagging that gets me. More Have than you I, tried I, any of the uh, ultrasonic lifting? And, uh, or... I've got one of those coming up, one of those coming up that I think um, I'm going to try. Missy Coco here in, in Melbourne um, is fantastic. And um, so I'm going to try one of those treatments, but they take three months to really kick in for your collagen. So it's, it's, a, it's a time thing. Um, I'm not adverse to anything, but it's just, I'm a chicken. I'm just a chicken of fillers and Botox, but I'll try all the laser treatments. I'll try all the collagen lifters because I feel like that they're less permanent and they're less invasive. Um, but it's also about, what makes you feel comfortable. And I think because physically I feel so strong and physically I feel so comfortable, to me 
it does go back to what we were saying, uh, somebody telling me, oh, look, you know, why don't you try modelling? Don't bother. To me, I'm more than just my face, which means ageing. I'm more than just ageing. I'm more than that. Like, you know, I've built this beautiful armour in front of everybody, but also got this armour inside. I've got a strength. I've got a presence. And I want that to be seen and I want that to be known. Do you think that um, we gain confidence um, at different stages or ages? Do you think it's an age or do you think it's a life event that kind of opens the door to the, no, this is me? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination. I mean, you know, there's people in their 50s that still haven't got it. Like, you just think, have you twigged? Have you twigged? Like, you know, come on, you're, you're 50. Don't leave it so much longer. And there's people in their 20s that they just my God, you got it. I know people 20 years older than you that just haven't got it. So there's that part of events or things that have happened to them that's made something trigger. But then there's also definitely the decades, there's different things. Um, I remember in my 20s, you know, I was, a, you know, I had a career, I had two kids, I had a mortgage and I was 27. And, you know, my auntie just kept going, you know what, you're not going to come into your own until you're 30. And I kept going, I freaking hope so, because 20s my 20s are exhausting <laughs> but it was true so I, I I waited for 30 and I remember seeing the same thing in my daughter and there's something that clicks about what you accept and what you won't accept and 20 in your 20s you, you're trying to get things quick you're trying to prove yourself and then I feel like you slow down a little bit in your 30s and your mental of like you know what that doesn't matter anymore. You do find out what's important to you and that comes with um, age and wisdom of what you've already been through. So I think definitely time in that. Um, your 40s, as I said, I thought it was over when I hit 40 and then I just, that, that's my life completely changed. That's when I went into the world of media and went into full design. Like my, my mental shift changed my career shift. But I don't think I would have had that energy to do it in my 30s but my 40s made difference. Once I hit my 50s, um, that's where in my mind I went, this is really where I, I, I do what I came to do. My 40s was like, nah, it's all great. It's all going to happen. But in my 50s, it's all right. It's like, well, why am I here? What am I doing? Because you think of your footprint on this earth. So I sort of feel like your 50s makes you reflect on everything that you've done. And how can you make it a better quality life? That, that's for me. That, that's how I've taken it. So I sort of feel like they work together in events and, and, and decades of how you make change and how you, you think. Can I ask you something? Um, you were talking about like mentally your kind of the way that you see yourself is 35 um, and, you know, you're single now. Do you see men in ages or stages or are you attracted to um, or limited to who you're attracted to? No, I've always, um, I've never had a type. Like, you know, some people, they end up having the same same type. I've never had a type. It's It sounds so cliche, but it is definitely about what's inside a person. Um, I don't always pick the right ones, just put it out there. Um, but to me, what I find attractive is someone who's funny, somebody who has a really well-read brain and somebody who can really think things through and really sort of um, rather than just sort of like blind you with a few quotes or blind you with a few things, somebody who can do some really deep diving. But I, but I think one thing that I, I would be very attracted to now is somebody who's in touch with their masculinity and I think that's through what's going through with the charity and everything we're doing. There's so many men out there that are much younger that are so in tune with their masculinity that they're not afraid to show their feminine part. They are happy to do all facets of masculinity. It's not bravado. Um, so I think I'm quite attracted to that now is spirituality. And I don't mean in an esoteric way. I just mean when, you, when you're in touch with your spirituality, you're quite centred. And you're quite grounded and you're open to what's out there and not have blinkers on, you know. And I think we've seen through COVID how divided people are, that I've discovered a lot of people out there can be quite close-minded. You know, you may not agree with anything, but you've got to listen and, and, and take everything in. So I feel like an openness to learn, an openness of the spiritual side and being able to be in touch 
with your masculine and feminine side, I think it's just so important. And if he turned up in like a 38-year-old package, you don't think, like you don't profile people. I'd be over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, I've, got, I've got to say it's, you know, the age thing is really tricky because, you know, I, in my mind I'm going, well, I really don't want somebody much older than me, but then at the same time, well, hang on, that's what someone else would be saying about me if they were younger. So it, it's really you've now got to, you have to look at the package that's coming towards you, not just physicality. You need to look at the brain. You look to, you need to look at what they want in the future too, because I don't live just for the day. I live for the future and I live for what I leave behind and live for how, what I do affects everybody around me. So that's where I feel like I need someone like-minded that thinks like that, not so much what career they do or where they are. It's those elements that I think are really important to me. We talked about, um, you just touched on, but I'd love to uh, deep dive about this, the Voice of Change charity that you've set up, which is about um, women who've experienced um, violence, abuse of all forms. Um, and then your charity is set up to help them transform their lives through the arts. Um, it, yeah, it, it's all about prevention. So what, what we want to do is like the arts is such a beautiful communicator, a storyteller, and it's not a soapbox. And, you know, with so much about family and domestic violence, people have become blind to it now. We're blinkered because there's been so much of it. And also we don't know what all the forms are and how we can communicate. So what we want to do is do harm prevention, meaning we want to take the stories from um, survivors and the families of victims and use them as communication tools, use them in an art form, and then use the arts to educate people. And so when you educate and tell these people's stories, they're going to heal because they're getting their communication out. And then also you're teaching people tools of how to stop it happening in the future. So the arts are going to use that communication of stories um, to stop that cycle. And these stories will go into schools, they'll go into um, corporate environments, they'll go into the community and then also into the home. And, and one of the biggest things also is people um, saying, I have never had it in my life. What do I do to help somebody else? And there's a fear of helping somebody else because the violence is so intense, you know, what are the tools that you can help give somebody? What is the communication skills? So there are a lot of incredible companies that do a little bit for there and a bit for there and a bit from there. So we want to be part of that community and bring everybody together with a very similar voice of how to make change. So in the concept of ageless, have you seen any kind of, um, you know, is abuse and is uh, violence, um, you know, across all ages? Do women experience it from youth is it transgenerational or, or can someone suddenly find themselves in an blindsided by an abusive relationship that they suddenly find themselves yeah. in look it's it is genderless it is um you know uh it, it, so much about it is any form of, of violence um which is verbal which is mental which is financial as well as physical we tend to think it's only physical um it can happen to you as a child it can happen to you in your first relationship it can happen in your third or fourth relationship it could happen in your 60s in in a new relationship or you've had this great relationship and then all of a sudden it changes um just because you didn't grow up with it or you didn't experience it first off doesn't mean it's go not going to happen to you and as the, the big thing is also is that no one goes into a relationship going, oh, it's an abusive one. I'm going to see how I get through this. It starts off most of the times pretty amazing. You fall in love or there's something about this person that is a little bit um, injured and you're powerful. You've got the tools. I'm going to help you. Come on come along with me. I'll show you how to make your life better. I'll, I'll get you the best version of you out there. And then, then it sort of gets beyond coercive and then it flips. And then the mental games all of a sudden change that you don't realize you're in an abusive relationship. So there's so many things. So, and I think that's the hardest thing is the, the shame that comes with it because it happens so slowly. 
that it's very hard to go, I've talked about this person that I love all the time, but this person's harming me. How, how can I tell anyone that? How can I tell anyone that's happening to me? And so that's finding out, you know, what are the tools that you need to actually deal with that person? What are the tools that you need to tell people? And what are the tools you need to either work together and change it? Because some can work and change because sometimes the abuse is from situational things that are happening. And then it's a case of if it really isn't working, how do you get out? How do you get out safely? So I think it's not this um, one story fits all. There are so many different parts to it, you know, and I just, it just heard, you know, somebody telling me this morning that somebody they know, you know, because they know we're doing the charity came up to her and said, just letting you know, obviously that relationship that you knew about for 10 years was actually an abusive relationship. No one knew. And then hearing the stories and it's just like, how could we not know? You know, we're very clever at hiding the things that happen to us. We're very clever at making things look like they're great because we're so ashamed and we're so humiliated of what's going on inside. So, you know, that's where we've got to look at this education of skills that you can actually stop this harm getting worse before it gets to the pointy end. And on the subject of, you know, reinvention and speaking your truth and, and finding your voice, um, do you think that it's important that in media where and social media that there is, you know, greater transparency around, you know, women like yourself, uh, like other amazing media people who, who put their hand up and say, I nearly died from adrenal fatigue. I nearly died from the pressure I was putting on myself. I nearly died at the hands of my partner. I nearly died because the media were hounding me. Do you think it's time that instead of trying to pr project these perfect lives of events and launches and, you know, a beautiful holiday snaps that people put their hands up and say, actually behind the scenes, I was falling apart and none of that was true. I, I think everybody has to be ready at their own time. I think that's the biggest thing. And if you're going to put your hand up, you want to make sure you're ready. You want to make sure that you've had counselling. You want to make sure you've got the tools to work with it because the media then will hound you in a different way. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Cool. So, and, then, and then also, like, you know, I, my biggest thing of not talking about it was I didn't want anyone to look at me as a victim. I'm not a victim. I'm a strong, sassy woman. I'm not a victim. Something was done to me. I'm a survivor. So you, if you're going to put your hand up, you need to be ready that you're empowered yourself. And I think, you know, the stories, you know, I've had so many people reach out to me that are in the public eye that have said something. They don't want it talked about because they don't want that to be their story. And that's okay. I think the, the thing is that just because it's happened to you doesn't mean everybody has to know about it. But I think when somebody is ready to tell that story, it's okay, what are you going to do with it? it? It can't become a fluff piece. What can you do in your story that can help somebody else? Um, you don't have to create a charity like I did. You don't have to lay your life on the line. You don't have to give details. But as you said, you can put your hand up and go, you know what? I was there and that happened to me. I'm not going to let it define me. But I think if anyone is in that situation, these are the tools you need. For it not to happen so I think that's the thing is that if you're going to come out and say this happened um, give give some advice to somebody else of different tools of where they can go to, to get safety and as you said it's you know I, I think my heroes this year is um, Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins like you know what they have gone through in their past and they've been very graphic like very graphic in what has happened to them and most people would fall into a, a, a pit of shame and they've decided to empower themselves and go you know what I didn't do that that was done to me and I'm not going to give them air but these people need to be accountable and this is my life and we need to make sure this doesn't happen again and so I really they're ready. And so I think they can recognise um, that their story is so powerful and people will stand by them and stand 
behind them with their own stories. They don't have to be the face of it and they don't want to be, but they know that they can give support to Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame and Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins can give power to everybody else. So I think what they've come out and said publicly, and they're not public people, They've become public people because of it. And, you know, that can be quite damaging. And I'm so impressed with all the great support they've got behind them because you need it because the media will dive, 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 dive. The media is great, but it also can be quite destructive. So um, you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. So I'm going to go back to what we were talking about, which is physical strength and, and finding, you know, your centre, which seems to be the core of every reinvention story and every survival story is that if you can come back to your center and align with your physical well-being you know you were saying you didn't even know you went through menopause which yeah is how crazy is that well it's because everything else is so hectic you know that that also passes by um i want to wrap up with what are the few things, the little tricks and hacks that instantly transform you, that you know that if you're having a bad week, a bad month, a bad day, if you add these little secret ingredients, it might be a great lipstick, it might be a go-to outfit, it might be, uh, you know, a supplemented, what are the things that you can add to your day that you would recommend um, through your own experience that can actually re-energize you give you vitality bring back that you know joie de vivre that we're we're looking for that's ageless i i i've been sipping it the whole time i would say get green tea in your life um get rid of the coffee you know there, there is you know a bit of caffeine in green tea but um i haven't drunk coffee for 20 over 25 years something like that it didn't work for me i, I don't need that stimulation because i run on adrenaline hence adrenal fatigue. Um, but green tea has got so many good qualities for your skin, your vitality, for your centre. Uh, I really look at getting onto some great teas, you know, um, look at ones that don't have caffeine in it, look at dandelion tea because it's a diuretic, look at um, chamomile tea for relaxation, look at um, rubos tea, which is a beautiful... I love rubos. Rubos is beautiful, but there's no caffeine in that as well. And it's a nice winter one. It, it sort of warms you. So look at all those different teas. that are, To me, that's my go-to. That's my comfort. Um, definitely the, the shots of um, raw ginger, turmeric, black pepper, and lemon. If you've got high-grade inflammation, I swear by it, you have to do it every day for a year. Don't, you know, don't do it for a couple of days and think you're going to get miracles. Um, I went back to um, uh, collagen powder. So putting collagen powder in my um, smoothie. And I also have collagen powder um, as I heat up coconut milk at night and I put collagen powder in it. And I found a caramel one, which is so tasty, no sugar in it, um, which I think is a, it's a beautiful relaxant at night, but also the collagen, you know, having collagen in um, a powder form in your drinks, in your smoothie um, is not so much a pickup, but it's so good for your skin and your gut health. That Did you notice up- your skin change when you started adding collagen? I think everyone else noticed. That's the thing. People would go to me, just like, what are you doing with your skin? I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then I, it, it, your hair, like I was getting all these baby hairs. So my hair and my skin, which really got affected through adrenal fatigue, I actually thought I was just losing so much hair. So it's all come back. So the collagen is a big thing for that. I highly recommend it. Um, an instant pick-me-up. Um, let me think. An instant pick-me-up. Put on some music. Put on some music. I've, I've got on Spotify um, a couple of big things of uh, um, just different titles of, of, you know, relaxation, sassy, sexy time. Would you um, share your Spotify list with us? Would you share your playlist? If you send me the link, I'll put it at the end of this podcast and we can have a couple of Shana Blazers Spotify instant pickup playlist. Well, I've got one called, um, let me check, I think it's Taking Back My Joy. And I've written a song of, Take, I've written a song called Taking Back My Joy and this song had all elements in it that I just that makes me happy like you know um, yeah there's a couple of really good songs of just uplifting so I think music what you're saying for music and scent are so important as a pick I think as an instant pick me up you know a vitamin pill for me doesn't do it putting on a candle putting on perfume 
more than lipstick, putting on some beautiful perfume, I'm a big Chanel girl, but also um, essential oils like bergamot and anything that's got a citrus blend um, is actually antidepressant. So if you're feeling quite, you know, a bit depressed, you can burn some bergamot and some orange essence and it's actually really good for your internal spirit. So that's an instant pickup for me. And what about your skincare routine? I know I said I'd cut off after your five tips, but I, <laughs> I completely forgot to ask you. Talk me through. I know that Darren and Olivier have probably been in your ear and filled your cupboards as they have mine, yeah. but talk me through the Shana Blaze Ageless Skincare Ritual. Well, I think um, I've, got, I've got to call out a few brands that I've used over the time. So Ultraceuticals first, which was through Darren and Olivier, which I found amazing, and um, Synergy Skin, which is an incredible woman here in Melbourne. Um, she's a doctor and she's created her own range. So Synergy Skin has been beautiful. And just recently, Olivier has brought out his own range with Dr. Naomi, which is incredible. So what I do you the use from the Dr. Naomi? All of it. <laughs> I run out of the catfish eye cream, so I've got to, <laughs> I've got to get that. Um, so, look, I think the thing is that I've always done a, a, a cleanser, Um and I've never really done like an astringent or anything like that. Um, so I always do a cleanser. I do a vitamin C, a B, and then any other sort of serums that gets thrown at me, I'll give it a go. So I feel like that um, the Dr. Naomi one I've got at the moment, has got a lot of vitamin C and it's got a lot of um, antioxidants in it. So I think, you know, the retinol, the, um, the vitamin C, the Bs and a plumping serum are so important to your skin. And I've got to say the... Um, the day cream from Dr. Naomi's um, Plump Fiction. Is it Plump Fiction? Is it Plump Fiction? That's night, but there's the other one that's the day. Um, it may, You put it on your skin, it feels like silk. Oh, yeah, the screen one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's amazing. And it's got the blue light um, technology. Oh, yeah. that is heaven. Um, this morning I actually put on some eye patches. So I, um, you know, just some days you feel puffy. So I always buy a whole heap of them. doesn't matter what brand. There is no particular brand. But one of the things my makeup artist taught me is that when you're putting on your makeup, put your eye patches on, do your eyes, and then it catches all the falling um, makeup, then take it off, then put your makeup on. So it gives you that, you know, 15, 20 minutes of putting that on, you know, straight after you have a shower, then do your makeup. Um, I... I've been on and off with a few sort of, um, you know, those rose quartz rollers and things like that. Honestly, that's just, it's another thing that I, I if it's high maintenance, I felt like the rose quartz thing, if I have to do it every day and I have to just like gave that up after a couple of goes, I had like a, a special machine that sort of like, you know, helped cleanse, found that exhausting. I find the simple steps has to work for me. So your basic cleanser, um, a serum in the morning, then your moisturiser, then having a tinted moisturiser during the day, no matter what, tinted moisturiser always works for me. If you don't find a really great tinted moisturiser, get a, a, um, a sunblock and then just put a little bit of um, your favourite um, foundation in it and create your own tinted moisturiser. Um, and then every now and again, I will do a um, peel and then I will do a, a mask. And that tends to be when I'm feeling really dehydrated. So I don't tend to do it religiously, whether it's every week or whatever. It's just like, you know what, I'm feeling a bit crap. I'm going to put a face mask on. And I find when you put a face mask on, mentally you have to make it a, a, a special time. So I put a face mask on, get a cup of tea, put on some music. I might do a bit of cleaning, a bit of shuffling, empty your drawer and sort of it makes you feel good. So you're actively doing something and then you've got the face mask on and you take it off and you, you feel plump and gorgeous. Um, did your makeup artist give you any great tips on what, you know, some quick tips and tricks that when she's not doing your makeup for one of the shows you do, you always do? Yeah, so mostly for the eyeshadow so it doesn't move. So there's a, a matte paint pot. So the, you put a paint pot on first and that sort of creates a stay. Then you put on your eyeshadow. So that sort of keeps that together. Always an eyelash curler always an eyelash curler and a primer primer was something that I, I never really used to use but you know most of the time when I'm filming and I have to do my own makeup it has to last all day and I don't touch up so definitely a primer 
and then um, contouring not big, but there's a little bit of contouring that, you know, because I've got, I've got pretty high cheekbones. So again, pretty it's good. Like, I've got to make sure my cheeks are my asset. Um, and, and doing a contour, just a very simple one, not doing major contouring, but just a little bit there. And it's actually a dark foundation. It's not a contouring. Um, it's a BB cream. So it's a BB cream probably about two or three shades darker than my foundation. So it's quite natural. And so just pop a bit there and just on the base of the jawline here, just there. So it just gives you that sort of look here. Um, have you done anything to your teeth? You have gorgeous teeth, and I've become obsessed with teeth since launching AJ <laughs> because honestly, I it's the thing that makes people look good. I got veneers here because my um my teeth over time, and so the, the reason I got it done is that my teeth were chipping away, and it came down to like I you know always on a health kick. I've always drunk lemon water, and I was never told that you shouldn't brush your teeth after having lemon water because what it does, it breaks down um, the, the coating of your teeth. What's it? The enamel. The, the enamel. So it breaks down the enamel. So if you, if you have lemon water, wait a full 30 minutes minimum before you brush your teeth because otherwise you're scratching the enamel. And then, yeah, see, you didn't even know that. So everybody's drinking lemon water at the moment. And I keep saying, are you swishing plain water around your mouth and waiting 30 minutes before you brush your teeth? Because my, my teeth became quite brutal. And then also when I was in my singing days, um, I knocked my front teeth with the microphone and I actually chipped the base. Oh and God. then the dentist flattened it. So my teeth used to be quite long and then he just ground my teeth down. So I was really self-conscious and um, it, it just started chipping away and I got them veneered probably about four years ago just on this front part and honestly I felt so much I got to the stage where I was worried about my smile and you know I'm just laughing and smiling all the all the time so I, I felt really self-conscious about that um but I need to I, I don't really whiten I think I need to do that one it's going to be yellow um but yeah definitely got those and it just made me feel so much better yeah, it's amazing how what an impact teeth will have. And I've just, yeah. I've really been honing in on it. We, you know, we focus on our hair color or our, our eyebrows or whatever, but it's like, get your teeth fixed because that's going to give you the yeah. best bang for you and whiten them. Do you brighten yeah. your teeth? You need, so, you need a really, you need a, someone that's recommended to you because most of them aren't working on the shape of what you had. Like I had to take in a picture of what my teeth used to look like when I was younger, like in my twenties. And then, then when I looked at it, I said, Oh my God, I forgot I had a gap in my tooth. So I grew up, I grew up. Um, I wasn't till I was probably about 30 that the gap in my teeth closed up. So yeah, I looked at it and went, Oh God, I didn't know who you are. <laughs> I'm so happy to have dug up all of your incredible ageless secrets so what are what's on your wish list for the next next decade uh what are some of the things that you're um hoping to um have achieve be enjoy i've um i've just finished a house in the country which yeah. has been incredible i would love to have a holiday house by the beach somewhere for my family i, I think sort of you know wanting to go overseas all the time i'm now we've, we haven't been able to go overseas and i'm like you know what that money i think i could put into a house so i definitely want to have a house by the beach um i i want my my design career to change a little bit about helping a lot more people rather than just singular clients. So I'm looking at courses that I'm creating, which I'd really love to do. Um, I want to be on an adventure all the time. I think um, my joy is discovery and my joy is learning. So I want, once I sort of get through what I'm doing work-wise at the moment, I want to take on a new challenge. What that's going to be, I don't know, but I, I, want, I want to... I want to learn something new and really sink my teeth into. Um, I don't want to retire. Don't want to do that. Boring. Um, definitely want to be in an incredible relationship that is um, on that same mental level that that I, I would love to be involved in and challenge each other. I think that's the exciting thing of, of being. Challenged. But with a guy with a hot body, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> And independently wealthy too. I, you know, I'm not here to support anybody in it anymore. <laughs> They've got to bring their own money to the table. <laughs> Massive tip. Um, and just seeing my kids thrive, like, you know, they're, they're in these amazing parts of their life. You know, we're re releasing the movie. Their careers are about to launch in, 
you know, in editing and, and directing and acting and, you know, just to watch them launch would just be incredible. So I just, I sort of feel like we're all ready to soar in a whole new way. And, um, you know, it, talking about it, like talking with you at the moment is invigorating me that like, yes, I'm on the right path with everything right now. Physically, I feel fantastic and just want to keep that up and, you know, just, just, just be present, be present with the people around you, be present in your goals of what you want to do and um, just share joy. Just, you know, make sure that all the people around you are happy. Well, I think you absolutely nailed it. And the, and we've got the new season of The Block that's um, coming up, which is exciting. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, Celebrity Apprentice was such a joy um, your movie coming out is so exciting. This, like, I really feel like we're getting peak Shana, and I don't want to kind of, I don't want to time capsule you because you know, of course, the best is yet to come. But this is this is such a moment, and I'm so so delighted to be able to connect with you and to share this beautiful moment of transformation with my audience because it's so nice to have um, icons that, you know, we, that we can not just look up to, but also learn from and, and try and just remember, you know, if, if you, it's your 39th birthday and you're worried that tomorrow's the end of days, it's not, if it's your 55th birthday and you think that, you know, the relationship you left behind is the last one, it's not. If you think that your prettiest version of you was your 25th birthday, not necessarily. I think, um, you know, you are a living embodiment of the ageless spirit and I love that. Oh, thank you so much. And I, lo I love the fact you're talking about ageless because it is, it's perception of what age is and we are ageless, but you've got to put it in your mindset that, you know, the, the best is always there about to come. So get ready for it. You know, the best is yet to come. I'm going to give it my best shot. I love speaking to you. I could speak to you forever. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you look divine. Uh, this is my COVID self-grooming madness. Well, if, it's, if that's what it is, it's working for you, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, uh -huh. Thank you so much. It's just been absolutely divine. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. I'm Bahar Etmanen, your host and founder of Ageless by Rescue. For more exclusive content, show transcript, behind the scenes video, real people reviews and extended interviews with experts, I invite you to please follow us at Ageless by Rescue on Instagram, Facebook and Rescue TV on YouTube. You can also sign up to receive our e-magazine and newsletters, all for free. 